0: Ezekiel 47, 1-12, through 12, that will be our main text for this morning. I believe with all my heart that the Lord wants to make 2020 a year that opens our eyes, opens our ears and our hearts to behold God's glory. A year of God showing us great and mighty things. You know, I think it's so important to to exercise our faith and to just just tell the Lord, Lord, I want everything you've got in mind for my life. And with reckless abandon in a good way, just let's go get it. I think the Lord wants us to have a zeal. He, he wants us to just be on fire for him. You know, Burning and shining lights, as it says of John the Baptist. In the words of Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 3, it says, Thus says the Lord who made it, the Lord who formed and established it, the Lord who Yahweh is his name. Call to me, and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now I believe there's a key to making this happen. Number one is prayer. Call unto me. We have not because we ask not. In, in, as you said in your seat this morning, as you contemplate these words, is it within you? Is that what you want for your life? To see God do all that He desires in and through your life. If not, then you have some adjusting to do. Because that's God's will for your life. Call unto me. Because apart from prayer, nothing good happens. The church of Jesus Christ advances on its knees. We must be a people given to prayer. Giving our allegiance to God and that kind of worship. Nothing of any significance will happen without prayer. And I thank God for the women of this church that they give them of themselves weekly to this intercessory ministry. Would to God that he would raise up men. That's what needs to happen this year, fellas. We need to become a men that pray together. You know, they say that a family that prays together stays together. Well, a church that prays together stays together. A group of men that pray together stay together. We're brothers. We're in war. We need the prayers of one another God help us pray this year second is the filling of the Holy Spirit I don't know about you but I, I leak it doesn't last day to day, week to week You know, I need constant filling I'm a needy guy <laughs> we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day you can't take a day off well you know, if I'm doing alright I had a great day, I'll just take tomorrow off no, it doesn't work that way Every day someone prayed, you know, that fresh manna, that fresh filling every day. We get what we need day by day. We live one day at a time. Jesus told us that don't worry about the troubles of tomorrow. What's going on today has enough trouble of its own. We can only live in the moment. And the moment calls us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must keep our hands to the plow. We can't look back. When you take a day off, that's just the same as looking back. I grew up on a farm, and I learned how to plow when I was a, a young fellow. Before I was a teenager, I was on a tractor plowing and turning the sod. And one of the things you are not allowed to do when you are breaking in a field and doing a field is to look back, especially your initial start. You find a point across the field, and you st- point the tractor in that direction and you stay focused on that point and when you do that that furrow is straight it just makes life easier when things are straight and they flip over better and turning around all of it but if you get crooked and you're all over the place it's a it's a train wreck it's not it's not as fun and so this is the idea of keeping our hand to the plow be diligent in things of god as we talked about last week our spiritual lives are the most important thing in our being, in our existence, to maintain our spiritual life before God. Now, we've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit in Romans there, chapter 8. And I believe it's conditional uh, in regards to God's work in our lives. We have to give, as it were, the Spirit of God permission to work. He won't go where he's not invited. I think one of our prayers, and one of my prayers, is, God, take me where, you, where you're going to be. Take me where you are. Not come my way, God, but take me where you're at. That's so important for us. And, you know, when we talk about, and you sang about it this morning, you know, surrendering, you know, yielding to the Lord, you know, that, that's, from our natural state, that's sort of uncomfortable, you know you mean I'm not really yielded I'm not really surrendered well I don't know about you but I have a will <laughs> I'm self-willed on occasion but yeah, I know it's a shocker to you <laughs> but I got to deal with that old man bring it under subjection and let God rule my heart my life so we naturally resist change and the what I'm talking about and have been talking about the past couple weeks is going to require some change in some of your lives, and in my life. I'm not apart from this message uh, in any point. Second uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15, Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said, We are to God a fragrance of Christ, among whom those are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one were the aroma of death, leading to death, and to the other a aroma of life, leading to life. And who's sufficient for these things? For we are not. There's so many peddling the word of God, but insincerity has from God. We speak in the sight of God, in Christ. When when God calls a person to follow Jesus Christ, he's calling that person to come and die. Give up your self-life, your self-idolatry, self-worship. Die to that because it restricts our ability to Learn God's ways to love God and to serve God appropriately. When we're on the throne, that means he's not. And that's important for us to to grab that concept. Now, I know dying to self is not a real popular subject, and a lot of pulpits are absent from that, even talking about that concept. And dying to self is what Paul meant when he says, I die daily. Is that constant surrender of will to God. In fact, I believe, and frankly, I believe that's just why revival tarries. Why isn't God moving the way we would like to see Him move? And it's quite simple. It's because we're, we don't really want revival as much as we want what we want. And when we get to the point where we want what God wants more than what we want, then revival, revival will happen. It will come. And we're going to see that in our text this morning. When I die to self, I begin to smell like Jesus. When I'm not dying to myself, I smell like the stench of death. If we die to ourselves and we smell like Jesus, that will bring life to others around us, not only our brothers and sisters, but to the people that we encounter. They're going to think and smell, as it were, something different about you. Why don't you get all up in arms about this or that? You, Why are you so happy what, what are you smiling so much for? You're always smiling, you know. Well, I've got joy in my heart. I've been saved. Jesus rescued me, man. I'm a survivor, you know. I got hope for the future. And th- those are things that create joy. And so, dying to self. And he goes on to tell them in 2 Corinthians 3 we have such trust through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient to think of ourselves as being anything from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. So you see, in this mode of surrender, God's life begins to flow through us. It's really effortlessly on our part. It's The hardest thing we have to do, really, is just get ourselves out of the way and surrender in brokenness to Him. Because we all have failures, we all have weaknesses, and we all have inabilities. And so God wants us to learn to rely on His empowering Spirit. You know, our human weakness, our inabilities were never meant to hinder us in our relationship with God nor hinder us in our service within the body of Christ. It was to bring us to the point where, Lord, I can't do this. I, I need you to help me. Please, please, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Enable me with your power to carry out what I know that you've written in my heart to do. And that's really how we conduct our lives. We read this last week, you know, creation has been subjected to vanity. We've been subjected to this weakness. We didn't sign up for it. Oh, hey, I want to be part of that group that suffers vanity, weakness, and miserable sufferings regularly. Nobody signed up for that, but the <laughs> regularly, yeah, it happens, right? Things that happen are definitely not preferable to us, but they do happen. But in that, as it says there, God subjected creation to that. But in that subjection to it, there's a hope. There's a hope in a future that we have. One day we're going to be delivered from this body of corruption. We're going to be delivered from this fallen creation. We're going to be in the very presence of God forever. Now Think in terms of 70, 80, 90 years. Bless your heart if you live that long, and I hope you don't have to, Right? Compared to eternity. And this is why Paul said. This light affliction. Is but for a moment. But it works a greater eternal weight. Of glory. Wow what a contrast. There is a future and a hope. This present moment is filled with hope. We're to live moment by moment. With that hope. That God will come and fill us. And strengthen us. And give us what we need. to Until we get to the other side. And it's. Up to us to totally yield and rely on Him, and this is why we can now understand why Paul would boast in his trials. He would boast in his tribulations. We kind of you kind of look at him, think he's sort of masochistic, or you know he's got a mental issue going on. You like <laughs> you glory in trials? Wait, that doesn't make sense to the natural man. But see, those trials and those sufferings bring us to brokenness. And then think of for a moment, water always flows to its lowest point. And when we are broken through the trials and the sufferings, that's when the Holy Spirit can come and strengthen our inner man, and God can work through us. That's why he allows trials. That's why suffering has a good work in our hearts if we approach it with the right attitude. We just simply learn to trust God in everything and in every situation without doubting. There's no doubt in my mind when bad things happen. Oh, well, God doesn't must not love me anymore. Well, that's the dumbest thing you could ever imagine thinking. That's a lie. Now I had something happen to me this morning. You know, I get, you know, believe it or not, I get attacked by the enemy too. And I've been, you know, one of the things that, that happens in my life is the accuser of the brethren. Oh, that guy, that guy, and he, you know these little voices. And I, you know, and the most dangerous time for you and I is when we first wake up, and we get out of bed and the first thing we do. That's when they're on us, when we're really not quite there, right? And I just, I remember walking out to the kitchen this morning and thinking, why am I thinking that? And I just reproved the enemy in Jesus' name. And And I'm not trying to be weird or dramatic here. I'm just telling you, whatever that presence was, was not God, and it left. We are fighting a war. And the battleground is in the mind. And we must take captive every thought. Bring ourselves into the obedience to the truth. We're in war. And the first casualty of war is always truth. We need to discern the lies. It's so important. We have a Bible full of promises. God has given us so many great and precious promises that we need to embrace them. It is impossible for God to lie. We must hold on to what God has said to us. I love what E.M. Bounds says in regards to the promises in Scripture. Quote, The promises of God are his golden fruit to be plucked by the hand of prayer. Promises are God's incorruptible seed to be sown and tilled by prayer. Prayer and the promises are interdependent. The promise inspires, energizes prayer, but prayer locates the promise and gives it realization and location. The promise is like a blessed rain falling in full showers, but prayer, like the pipes which transmit and preserve and direct the rain, localizes. Precipitates these promises until they become local, personal, and bless, refresh, and fertilize. Prayer takes hold of the promise that conducts it to its, and conducts it to its marvelous ends. It removes the obstacles. It makes a highway for the promise to its glorious fulfillment. And to that I say amen and amen. So we see that God does not work in a vacuum. It is the Word of God and believing the promises and embracing them and then praying them into reality. And we are seeing that happen in our lives. Many of you are seeing the answer to God's prayer and you're moved, you're strengthened, you're blessed, you're growing in your faith. It's a wonderful thing to behold. We should let the promises of God thrill our hearts, fill our minds with hope, Until the darkness and all the gloom and all the satanic attack and the curses of this world leave nothing and are gone. Leave us nothing but behold the love and the goodness of God. That's what it's all about. You know, I, I did wrestle with this particular message a little bit because I spent so much time going through Romans 8. And I couldn't shake as I was preparing this and thinking about it. And you know some of you know I've taught on this in time past but it's a little bit different we aren't even there in Ezekiel yet but just so you know I'm going to get there. <laughs> but it you know in Romans 8 there we're you know just overwhelmed by uh some of the verses there in verse 13 in particular by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you'll live you're led by the spirit of God we receive the adoption into God's family by the spirit of God we cry out because the spirit of God is within us abba father I mean The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. you think the Holy Spirit's involved in the life of a believer? And for those who refuse and do not want to talk about the Holy Spirit, you know, just, you know, come on. Read the Scriptures. We have the first fruits of the Spirit in verse 23. And we groan within ourselves because there's some situations we just don't know how to handle. We don't even know how to put words to a prayer. It's just, oh, God, that's a prayer. And its unction comes from the Spirit, His presence in our lives. There are many things in our lives that we can't put into words and sort of create audience with God. We just, oh, Lord. Those are prayers. And so in chapter 8 it says the Spirit helps our weaknesses. It makes intercession for us with these groanings that cannot be uttered. We cannot overlook nor we, should we be overwhelmed in the sense of God's spirit and his work in our lives at all. Jesus said in John seven thirty seven that this would be what would happen to those who believed on his name. He's standing there at the Feast of Tabernacles the fall of the year and on the seventh day or the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, torrents, not a little trickle. We're talking gush. You've been in a stream where it's just seriously flowing. The current will just almost take you down. What's beyond that, this is a torrent you can't control it this is what Jesus said would happen to those who believe on his name now so let me explain a little bit of the typology uh, about that, on the seventh day the priests would circle the altar like seven times like they circled Jericho the walls of Jericho seven times and they would ascend to this ramp uh, this altar uh, with um, a jug of water And then another priest would be carrying a jug of wine. They would ascend to the altar there. And they would pour out the wine and the water together on the altar. And as they were doing that, and they were raising the picture to get it up as high as they could before they poured it out, the people would cry out, higher, higher. You know, they would really get into it because the higher, the more joy, reach the height of the joy and experience with God's presence in a person's life. And, and, and so what was Jesus really thinking about? Which scripture in the Old Testament was he thinking about when he made this proclamation? Was he thinking about when Moses smote the rock in Exodus 17? and water gushed out or was he thinking of Zechariah 14:8 which we call Zechariah 14:8 and it shall be in that day that living water shall flow from Jerusalem half of them towards the east sea eastern sea and half of them towards the western sea both in the summer and the winter it shall occur why well, I, I don't really know for sure but i got a feeling it was That related to this portion of scripture in Ezekiel 47 that we're going to get to. I am going to get there. Just a reminder. Success in your life hinges upon your personal relationship with God. Success in the Christian's life is simply learning how to yield and harness that old man to the cross and die to it. If you can do that, and you can overcome the flesh, you'll experience a deeper walk with God, a more joyful walk, a greater sense of peace in your life. We're all in process. It's a journey. I think as we look through this passage now, if you're there in Ezekiel, I think it illustrates really the work that God wants to do in the life of all who believe on his name not just a few. It's not for just leadership. It's not for just Sunday school teachers and deacons. It's for everyone. It's for every member in the body of Christ. Everyone who names the name of Christ should have this overflowing experience with the Holy Spirit. And if your life is not overflowing, you need to ask yourself, why? And you might need to have a paradigm shift in your thinking. This is a wake-up call. How do you want to How do you want 2020 to end? Do you want to be successful in God's eyes? I do. I want all that God has. And I trust that you do too. But the vision that he's having here is a vision of a future reality. When Jesus comes back and he sets up his kingdom and he sets on his throne in Jerusalem, this is what's going to be happening. Ezekiel is taking on this vision he's given this vision and led by this heavenly messenger of things that were going to happen in the future there's going to be water that flows as we've read there in Zechariah as well as what we're going to read here to the east to the Dead Sea and then to the west to the Mediterranean no this means there are going to be some serious topographical adjustments with the present landscape over there in Israel but it's going to happen And so, if you'll turn with me, if you're not there, to Ezekiel 47 and stand. I'll give you a chance to stretch your legs a little bit. I'll read the first 12 verses. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. for the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple south of the altar. And he brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to The outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. And when the man went out to the east with a line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters, and the waters came up to my knees. And again he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. And again he measured 1,000 and it was a river that I could not cross, for the water was too deep. Water in which one must swim, a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? And then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. And when I returned along the bank of the river, there were very many trees on one side and in the other. And then he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the valley and enters the sea and when it reaches the sea its waters are healed it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live there will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go from there they will be healed everything will live wherever the river goes and it shall be that the fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to En-Englum and inglum and There will be places for spreading their nets, and the fish will be of some, some same kinds of the fishes in the great sea, exceeding many. But the swamps and the marshes will not be healed, for they will be given over to salt. And along the banks of the river on this side and on that will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither, their fruit will not fail, but they will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary." Their fruit will be for food, and their leaves for medicine. You may be seated. Please note these phrases, and they're critical for us in understanding the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He brought me back. He brought me out. He brought me around, and he brought me through. There are four kinds of waters that are mentioned in this text. There's the flowing water from under the threshold, coming from the altar. There's measured water. There's contained waters. And there's healing waters. This is the work of God's Spirit within the life of a believer. Flowing water. If we're going to experience the work of God in our midst, it's because we have placed ourselves in the flow of what God wants to do. and This is what we're talking about when we say surrender. We're getting in the flow of what God wants to do. This is our requirement to put ourselves in a place of blessing, in a place where God is, where he can perform and do all that's in his heart for us. And that's, as I said earlier, Lord, take me to where you are. Take, Take me to where you're going to be so that I experience what you want me to experience and learn. So God, you know, make the changes help me to rearrange my priorities change my schedule whatever it takes to get myself in line with what god's purpose is look we we need to be able to answer this motto that we have here in the affirmative i do what i can with what i have where god has placed me i can say that with confidence i'm doing the best i can that is success not comparing ourselves to one another, but what I can do, what you can do. God isn't asking you to to do it all. He's just asking us to do our part. This is important. I love the way Jude puts it. Jude 20 through 24 says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And some people have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that's defiled by the flesh. Sometimes we have to say, bro, what are you doing? Hey, knock that off. You know, that's saving people from trouble. That's the idea there. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling, what a great promise here, and to present you faultless, another great promise before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's what's in route for those who surrender. You're going to be presented to God with exceeding joy. You're not going to be able to contain what's coming out of your heart in the presence of God. It's just beyond words and it's beyond being able to capture. But look at this. One, build yourself up. That's your job. That's, That's how you know you're surrendering. You're building yourself up. Two, you're praying in the Holy Spirit. Three, you're keeping yourselves in the love of God. You're keeping your life in a place where God can bless you. You're not allowing yourself to be defiled. You're not going places that you're not supposed to go. You're not seeing things you're not supposed to see. Hearing things you're supposed to... You're not speaking things you're not supposed to speak. You get it. And four, look for the mercy. Because we do blow it on occasion. And when you blow it, you confess it and get right back on track. Stay on... What Isaiah calls the highway of holiness—you're separated unto God. You're part of the ecclesia. You're the you're the church or the called out ones. God's called us all out of this corrupt world into His world, His kingdom. So the first thing He did is He brought Ezekiel back, and we learn and relearn how to bring ourselves back when we go astray. Some of you who may have recently you know, strayed from the Lord when you're younger or whatever. You know, the Lord has a way of knowing how to bring you back. But this is what repentance is all about About in our lives. We go back to the, our first love. We go back to what we know, that we know, that we know. And we start building upon what remains, the good that remains. Now, what's wrong with some of us at this point is we're, we don't think sin is Sin. We make excuses. The last time I checked, the blood of Christ doesn't cover excuses. It does cover sin. And so I have to be willing to acknowledge my sin. This is wrong. This crosses the line. This isn't what God wants. I'm guilty. Please forgive me. That is when atonement takes place. That's when I'm really back and I can begin to build again. It's so important that we have the right understanding of what it means to miss the mark again I'm not trying to condemn anyone in that regard this is to be an encouragement God gives us space He gives us time to work things out in our lives He knows we're not perfect but we're striving, we're working we're not throwing in the towel and giving up because we're we're frustrated with ourselves because only to be frustrated with yourself only really illustrates that you had hope in yourself that somehow you could do it and God has to bring us to the point where we confess we can't do it, and then that's when He comes. Like I said, water—the Spirit comes when we're at it's our lowest point. But notice here that the water is flowing out from under the flesh ho- threshold. Now, the threshold is is what in, is in a doorway, and we all know who the door <laughs> is into the kingdom, and that's the Lord Jesus. And what did He do? He sent the Holy Spirit to do this job in each one of us. And when you are a threshold, you get walked on. <laughs> you get stepped on. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is a was a worm and no man. You know, I mean, that whole Psalm 22. You ever stepped on a worm? Yeah, it's kind of gross. But they just, they don't fight back. They don't try to bite you. They just, <laughs> they just, wiggle and squirm in pain, unfortunately. Try not to do that, but that's what happens when we step on a worm. No, step on a snake. Yeah, that's the old nature, isn't it? You know, I'm going to bite you, you know. But the worm is just surrendered. You have the ability to crush me. There's a complete surrender. So, speaking of humility, if we're going to make any, if we're really going to come back, and, and, and start fresh with the Lord is because we are willing to humble ourselves in his sight call sin sin and stop making excuses stop being like Adam stop being like Eve You know, blame the wife, blame the serpent that whole thing, it doesn't work you gain no ground God can't work with you until you get real Till I get real, there's no pretension here it's all sin- out of the sincerity of our hearts he knows everything anyway so why, why, why delay Submission is, again, the first prerequisite to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I think too, is we need to you know when he's talking about coming back, it's, it's aligning ourselves with God's order. God has a, a, an order about everything that he does, and this is critical. Um, Jesus commended the soldiers, said, so, you know, I tell this guy to go, and he goes, and this guy come and he comes, and, and he understood the chain of command. And I think it's important that we understand that we're, when we submit, we're submitting to God's authority and His order that He's established for us. And you know, Jesus actually tied that understanding to faith. When we understand God's order and there is that chain of commands, then, that, then faith can work in that environment. But what, what's outside that? What's the antithesis to that? It's rebellion and disorder. So you're not willing to come along. You're not willing to to come under. That's rebellion. Then, you know, again, God can't work in that environment. So this is part of God bringing us back to the basics. You know, you never get past, no matter how many years you've been in the Lord, you never get past the basics. Michael Jordan, you know, for all you older basketball fans, the guy was incredible athlete, obviously, but no matter what sport it is, that athlete, at whatever level, must always work on the basics because he works on the basics so that they become automatic, they become second nature. Nobody gets beyond the basics, and it's true in our spiritual walk. Nobody's beyond prayer. Nobody's beyond devotions, the simple things that we consider. Nobody's beyond fellowship. Oh, I don't need, I'm, I'm spiritual enough now, I don't need to go to church. I don't need the body of Christ. There's just a bunch of whatever. Who made you judge? You know, there's a lot of people that, Christians have been deceived and they lie to themselves about their church attendance. And I'm speaking to empty, you know, the empty chairs probably. You're here. (laughs) But it's true. From the right side, you know, this is again... The right side is, uh, when we think of Jesus, he's at the right hand. <clears throat> Symbol of authority, power and ability. That's always, you know, so uh, understanding God's established order, 1 Corinthians 11, you have God, Christ, the husband, the wife, the children, depending if you love cats or dogs, cats could be next, or if you love dogs, dogs are probably next. Not really, just seeing if you're paying attention. Okay, good. (laughs) Jesus is is at the right hand. Think about this for a moment. He's at the right hand interceding for you and for me. Man, is he busy. Wow. But he's the one who has the authority. He's the one who has the wisdom. He's the one who has the ability to bring me out, bring me back, and do all these things that need to be done in my life. Nobody else can do this. And he's delegated this work to the Holy Spirit. That's why I need to have an understanding of the work of God's Spirit in my life. God's work cannot be accomplished by any other means. There's no other way. This is it. Just like salvation could be no other way except Jesus going to the cross, so the sanctification and empowering of the believer cannot happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. That is the way it is. We have to adjust ourselves to him, not he to us. And so that's getting in the flow The flowing waters. Do you want 2020 to be a year where the Spirit of God is just flowing through your life? Dynamically, it can be. Out of your innermost being can gush forth this flowing water. And that's His will. But verse 3 talks about the measured water. Here, you know, the Bible does tell us in Ephesians 4 that there's a measure of Christ's gift. To each one is given grace according to the measure of. Of Christ's gift, it's not going to be the same for everyone. God doesn't have this little cookie cutter. It's not an assembly line. He treats us all individually, and isn't that wonderful? Your gifts, your faith is different than mine, and mine from yours. It's God's just like every snowflake is unique. Every human being is unique. Every call is unique. God is amazing in all these this variety. He's into that, but it's measured waters it's calculated intervals god gives us what we can handle along the way some people can handle a lot some people cannot handle as much that's okay you handle with whatever god gives you it's all bigger than any of us anyway right but it's through the water you must go through the water you must go through the blood you must have a natural birth you must have a supernatural birth coming through the water at first it's at the ankles the work of the Holy Spirit is first to affect your walk with God. It's not what I say that really matters. It's what I do that really illustrates where I'm at. Ezekiel was at his ankles and then he was at his knees. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will affect your prayer life. You'll you'll find prayer being a joy. You'll find prayer not being oh I just got to do this I got to crank one out of here, no, <laughs> I mean it becomes you're talking to your friend, your friend is talking to you. It's a, a wonderful thing. It will affect your prayer life and it should, and it's at the waist, which means it totally affects your character, not your diet. Well, I guess it could affect your diet, but it it, it we just simply stand. We learn how to stand in the promises of God. We learn how to put on the whole armor of God and stand against the wiles of the enemy. And then as we continue to progress in our walk, notice this river, as we read there, has it it gets further and further away from the temple, it gets deeper and deeper. This is sort of like, how does that work? I don't really know that I understand that. But when... At some point in time and it doesn't have to take that long to get there this work of the Holy Spirit will totally dominate your life. You'll literally be over your head in a good way. It's too deep to cross. You've got to swim. You want to keep your head above water? You want to you know you got to hang on. The, water, the river could not be crossed. This is the overflow. Of God's Spirit, and it's too great for the natural man. There's no room for the flesh here. It's all because your new man, your born again man, has grown, matured, is now at the bil- given the ability to just really go deep in your relationship with God. Remember how John talks about the different. There's the the babe in Christ. There's the young man who've overcome. They're strong in the Word. They've overcome the wicked one. And then there's the fathers. There's that deep spiritual depth that becomes a reality in, in the believer's life who are willing to submit willing to come back, willing to go through well, trust God it's because there's been that paradigm shift and now I'll realize that I can't be living for self anymore I've got to serve the Lord, I've got to serve others for people who suffer depression my suggestion to you is look for someone to serve wash feet Find something to do that helps somebody else. And in doing so, you're going to get your eyes off yourself. So much of the mental distress in people's lives is because they're focused on self. And that's a bottomless pit, as most of us have already learned in our life experience. Get our eyes on the Lord and serve other people. Look around and see a need and meet a need. And then we have this. Notice that these waters are contained waters. They're just, he's not just flooding the eastern plateau here east of the temple it's in a river God's love flows in a river God has order to all things the river banks are truth and mercy without truth you can't really experience love and without mercy none of us would have a snowball chance in the netherworld to experience the love of God so God's river of love is banked with one side with truth and the other with mercy. It truly is a river of love. And then the fourth kind of waters, healing waters. Look at the effect there in verse 8. It heals the sea. It heals every living creature that it touches. See, that's the magnitude of God's ability to heal now, many of us when we think about healing, we think, well you know i 've got a cold, like I got a throat issue, right I just I need healed, but actually, the greater healing that we need is the psychological and the spiritual healing that and from the effects of sin. Sin is destructive; it does nothing but destroy uh, us it destroys our, our ability to think clearly. It brings out the worst in our fallen nature and all those things. And so we need healing from the, the effects of sin. And so when you think in terms of healing, you're, you're thi- you think in terms of your whole, the, the wholeness of your, of your being. Your body, yes. I mean, nobody wants to be sick. It's hard to function and navigate You know, when you're sick. You're not feeling up to what you know you should be. But spiritually speaking, we all need healed. And may God help us. But everything that this water touches, if we let God in, He will touch us. He will minister to us. And in this case, to some degree, during the millennial reign, it will be more edemic. I mean, more like Eden. It will. Um, there's going. To, it won't be a, a complete changeover. But there's going to be some people will live. Young, a person dies at a hundred years old. Uh, they'll be considered a child. So longevity of life will be increased during that thousand year period. And a lot of things are going to change, but it will not be utopia. It will not be perfect uh, because it will still be people here in the flesh. Uh, that's, a, that's another subject for another time, the study of the millennial. It's really interesting. But notice here, it, if a creature touches drinks from this water, it's going to live. It's amazing. See, that's what God's Spirit's all about, bringing you and me life. Notice it talks about the abundance of fish. If we, I believe this with all my heart, if we will just simply go this route, surrender our lives to this kind of lifestyle, this this kind of living is beyond comprehension of the amount of people that you will reach for the kingdom of God. It will be on, beyond count of the people that you will encourage in the Lord. Think about how many people you know. Maybe 1,500, 2,000 people. Maybe more. And you, have, and you interact with them and have interacted with a lot of them over the course of your life. Think how many people are touched by everyone in this room, That the amount of people. You can imagine the impact that God can have when the body of Christ is in obedience to submission to the work of the Holy Spirit. It will be immeasurable. The effect that it can have. There can be a revival. There can be and should be a great awakening on the horizon because we are all submitted, as it were, to the Lord. And I want to finish up here. You know, it's God's will that we all produce fruit. Some of us we don't know what our giftings are, but if you'll do this and you just keep asking, Lord, show me, show me what it is that you want me to do. Write it on my heart. Show me. He will. He'll, he's the best teacher there is. There's. Actually, there's. I find in scripture there's a couple different areas that this, this might encourage you. You know, when Jesus called Peter, uh, when he called John, James and John, he called the, those fellows. They're different individuals, but he also called them to, to different kinds of ministries. You know, when when Peter was called, he was casting the net. You know, he's trying to catch something. He's fishing. There are people who, who have the ability to lead and to cast the vision. And, and that's, that's their thing. They're, they're go-getters. I mean, Peter was one of those kind of guys. And then there's people like John. James and John, what were they doing when Jesus called them? They were mending the nets. There's people that are really good on interpersonal relationships. And they're, they're there to help counsel and encourage. They have pastor's heart. They care about people. They're more about relationship rather than, than, than action in that regard. And so you don't have to be both, one or the other, but there's just an example that God's going to call you in your own unique, special way. And it doesn't have to be like anybody else. It's, it's how God is calling you. I love, um, I love this. In closing here, you know, you, you read this, and you realize the marshes were not healed. They were given all over to the salt. And the, you know what is the marsh? It's, it's simply a, a filtering system. All the, the poisons and things get sort of co- caught up in there, and it, 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 you know it's, it's, it's a transitional property between solid ground and, and the, the water, and it's, it's useful for that purpose. But nothing grows there. There's nothing there for you. There are people who, who are fine living in the marshland. Don't go there. The truths of God, they don't penetrate that. It's no man's land. No life comes from that. But what does come from what Jesus, or what we've had described to us here, is the abundant life that Jesus wants us to have. So we're going to close here with an opportunity for, if you want prayer, if you want 2020 to be different then you're past. You can come forward here. The guys are gonna be on the left and the right up here. If you're in the back and you wanna come out and be prayed for, you're welcome to do that. We're gonna take a few moments to pray. If you're you're doing well, if you wanna come and lead us in some songs, the worship team can come up now and we'll spend some our last few moments here praying, worshiping. If you want to be prayed for. Uh, we've got a Some guys up here, we've got, if you need healing, we have some oil. We'd like to anoint you and pray the prayer of faith that God would heal. I think I might line up for that one. Um, (laughs) uh, So let's just enjoy the, the presence of the Lord here and simply just open our hearts to receive. Let me pray. Father, now as we turn this part over to the work of your spirit personally, we ask that you would put the nudge in each heart of how we're to respond to what we've been challenged with here, Lord. We want to be all that you've intended us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.